Thank you for joining me for Moments to Ponder Lent. I'm Betsy Marvin, and this is episode 36. As we continue through this Lenten season, we come to one of the most profound prophecy scriptures that point to Jesus. Well, at least in my opinion. It states so clearly the life and full gospel of Jesus. We can't deny its truth. As I studied this chapter, I found out that a 17th century Jewish historian admitted that rabbis used to read Isaiah 53 in synagogues on the Sabbath, but the chapter caused so much confusion and arguing that they decided the simplest thing to do was to not read it aloud at all, and they took it out of the Haftarah readings, which are readings from the prophets. Now we might assume that Jewish people have an extensive knowledge of the Old Testament and realized that this was being left out. But I've read that the average Jewish person knows little more of the Old Testament than they hear on a Sabbath. Not really that much different than Christ's followers' knowledge of the Scripture. Thus, many Jews have not heard this chapter. And I find that fascinating. It so clearly points to Jesus. These prophetic words were recognized and acknowledged by Matthew and Mark, Luke and John, Paul, Peter, and Jesus. In fact, there are over 30 references to this poem in the New Testament. Hear the words of Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our back on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed, treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. 
And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. And when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. Isaiah 53 After 400 years of God's silence, the spiritual ground of Israel was so dry. And then Jesus came. As a tender baby to a humble family, he wasn't majestic or beautiful. He wasn't extraordinary that people would be drawn by his appearance. His people considered him a nobody, not worthy of respect. How often did he hear, what good can come from Nazareth? Yet when Jesus said, follow me, the disciples followed. They were drawn to his character, his love, his wisdom, and kindness. They were drawn to the spirit within him and were able to see their Messiah. Jesus loved. He was a man of deep sorrow. He suffered and was rejected. Brené Brown states that rejection is processed the same way in our brain as physical pain. And I totally understand this. I've watched the effect of rejection on those I love, and honestly, it's been a journey for me too. The fear of rejection goes deep. It can move us to bend in ways we never thought we would, to put up with things we never really should, and eventually, we crumble beneath the weight of it. It's a fear that I've laid at the feet of Jesus many times. Yet I've discovered that even when we aren't afraid anymore, rejection still comes. 
I've experienced a long season of facing rejection. It was subtle and so real. Experiencing rejection became a physical pain. It felt like it felt like getting slapped in the face every day. And one night as I cried out to God and knowing that he never rejects and always pursues, I came to the end of me and the beginning of him and realized that I really needed to let him guide me into dealing with this hurt. He graciously led me on a deep road toward healing and he brought the courage to move past the fear no matter what would become of it. As I went through the process, I discovered I had to deal with a question. Why? Not why was I rejected, but why had I let the rejection affect who I know I am in Jesus? And maybe you've been there too. You've allowed the rejection of someone in your life to affect who you know yourself to be. And just as the rejection of the Jews didn't define Jesus, the rejection of people in our lives doesn't define us. With the help and strength of the Holy Spirit, I found I could release the desire to be heard, to be liked, or even be respected in order to put away the hurt that continually raised its hand through the wall of rejection and dismissal. I would never have chosen this, but Jesus did. Think about that. He knew he'd be rejected by those he loved, but he came anyway. Jesus loved those who rejected him, even those who killed him, and oh, that's a tall act to follow. God pursues with grace. Yes, he can give consequences when they're needed, but the grace remains. A gift of unmerited favor that is received, given open-handedly, expected nothing in return. So Jesus, the one who was rejected, pierced and crushed for our sins and rebellion, beaten so we could be whole, whipped so we could be healed, God laid all our sins on him. Why? Verse 10 tells us, It was because it was the Lord's plan to crush him and cause him grief. He made Jesus' life an offering for sin so that we could enjoy lives of forgiveness, wholeness. The cross was always the plan. Jesus wanted forgiveness, healing, and wholeness for you, for me. So he suffered in our place. Yet, just as it says in verse 6, each of us chooses our own way and turns from the path of God. 
I wish it wasn't true, but we wander. We're prone to it. And even though he knew we would do this, God still laid our sin on the shoulders of his son. God sees a broader vision of our lives. He sees beyond our actions to a heart that so desperately is seeking to understand and and to grow, but still making mistakes. Jesus was the one interceding for us as an advocate before our holy God. As the Messiah, he took on his shoulders the sin of all who believe in him. Isaiah's words are an encouraging prophecy of hope and a future. I'm working on living beyond the rejection, to just love and allow God to work in whatever way he will. And although my heart doesn't feel the pain as it once did, there is a sadness that lingers. Many of you listening today know this sadness. Yet these words of Isaiah remind us that Jesus was a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. He gets it. He knows. And he gets it because he chose to live it for you and for me. Grace is hard, period. I have found that it requires such a depth of gratitude for receiving it that you naturally give it away. It's in the reality of receiving grace that we so freely can share it. And it's born from the depth of His love for us. He loves so deeply that He can offer this grace. And that love allows for the release of the pain caused and the hurts given and the rejection received. Verse 11 reminds us that when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. If Jesus were physically in front of you right now, He would take your face in his nail-scarred hands, look deeply into your eyes, and quietly remind you, I went to the cross for you, and it was worth it. Amen.